0: All you are
1: is
0: me. I mean, maybe she's trying to. She, she's she's casting this stone back in the day. That's why she had to change that lyric. And uh, on the, the same episode. album,
1: she's casting these stones, and I don't know. I don't. I think this song's not the same without a little. She's she's got a little southern twang in this song, and she, it's not the same on Taylor's version. So I played the original version again.
0: She does sound noticeably different now than, than she did back then. She still had, because you know, she came up as the country music artist. She did the song, uh, the Tim McGraw was her first big song and then our uh, our, our song. And, and then she kind of slowly transitioned into like country pop and then it was just straight pop. And now she just sounds different. And it is kind of like, you, know, you hear certain people that have to talk a certain way for their respective genre of music. Then you hear them like 10 years ago and they just sounded completely different. I think that's kind of the same thing. Like when that song first started, I assumed you were playing another Taylor Swift song I did like kind of a double take. I doubted myself a little bit because it didn't. It sounded like a. I was like, maybe this is a different country music artist that I just don't know about. But it wasn't. Anyways,
1: uh, we've got two tickets to give away to
0: tomorrow night's
1: Louisville City FC. Or I might be getting the he's and she's mixed up there, but
0: I think you're nailing this.
1: It was. (laughs) People are upset about
0: it. Why are they upset about it? Because they. She's trying to be too PC. Is that what people are mad about?
1: What. it's an aggressive song. People don't. People don't think it fits the song.
0: Well, is it? Is this one of the Taylor Swift songs that is not so thinly veiled as far as it being directed at somebody? Because we we mentioned "Bad Blood" is about Katy Perry, but they have since mended fences. It's fine. Is is this one of those songs that is, or do you have any idea?
1: I. It could be about somebody. I'm not sure.
0: Let's just make it up something. Let's just start a rumor right here on the show, which is my one of my favorite things to do. I think the song is about Mandy Moore.
1: <laughs> Me too.
0: Mandy, it's a song about Mandy Moore. She's, I think it's, I think is not slut shamed ever. Uh, but it, maybe that's what she's going for. I think Mandy Moore, very wholesome, very young, great. Entangled, love the love the songs. Entangled, hear them on a daily basis. Uh, but no, I, I did not know that there was a changed lyric controversy.
1: Yeah, they say it doesn't fit the song. I mean, whatever. Somebody said it was about a high school boyfriend. Somebody said it was about Joe Jonas's new girlfriend.
0: Okay. I like, now now we're getting into the meat of it. Okay. Joe Jonas. I forgot that, that Joe Jonas and Taylor Swift were a thing.
1: How could you forget?
0: I want, I once watched a Jonas Brothers documentary like four years ago. And I kind of, I, I came away kind of, I was like, I, I kind of like the Joe Jonas.
1: Brothers. The song is about Mark Summers, apparently. No, That's it's what, not.
0: <laughs> Did somebody say that on the text? Yeah, line? I don't know who Mark Summers is. Mark Summers was the former host of Double Dare, who became a uh, arch enemy of mine about ten years ago on Twitter.
1: Wait, so you're the former host of Double Dare and uh, and an arch enemy and the Price is Right were?
0: Yes, every game show host <laughs> that was pro- most prominent in the the '90s or the early 2000s has become an arch enemy. Of mine. No, so the the story is the week before we were playing Kentucky in the 2014 Sweet Sixteen. <laughs> This was like the Tuesday or Wednesday. Like the, 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 it was a Friday night game. The, the anticipation, the wait was killing me. And so this was back in like the heyday of Twitter, back when Twitter was kind of fun. I, I was like, hey, Louisville fans, let's pick the most random celebrity possible and just flood their mentions asking them to predict who they think going to win the Louisville-Kentucky game. And, and just harass them until they they give us an answer, because yeah, that, that's fun harassment. Not, that's, like, not like the harassment you see these days. It, this is good old fashioned fun harassment.
1: Is that trolling?
0: No, it's not. <laughs> that's not. I don't think that's trolling.
1: I don't know. It might be trolling. Well, depending
0: on how Trevor defines it, we can. It's a, it, Trevor's loose definition. Maybe yes, it is. But so we st- we I took a, a group poll. Frank Stallone was the the, the runner up in this, but we ended up going with Mark Summers, who hosted. Double Dare. He now has a show on Food Network, but he was most known as being the host of Double Dare when I was a kid on Nickelodeon. And so we, we we flooded like the entire night. Like Mark Summers, I was like, this poor guy is probably out to dinner. You know, he didn't have a whole lot of, he didn't have a huge following on Twitter. He probably like looked at his phone after a couple of hours and saw, oh my god, I've got like fifteen hundred notifications. What's going on? And it was just all these little fans being like, hey man. And Kentucky fans got in on it too. To their credit, they were like, hey man. Big fan, loved Doubledare back in the day. Really curious to hear your thoughts on Friday's Louisville uh, Kentucky Sweet 16 game. Would love to hear your prediction. And finally, after like a couple of hours of waiting, he spoke. <laughs> and it was the most disappointing response of all time because he was like, growing up in Indiana, I never really liked either Kentucky or Louisville. And we were Fair. like, well, I mean, like, come on. And then we're like, y- y- you got to give us an answer. You got to make a prediction. And so then he was like, okay, since you've, you've pushed me. Kentucky, go Cats. And so Louisville fans got mad, and then he responded with some of the most vitriolic, like just, he made fun of the tie in my profile picture from back in the day. He started making some homophobic uh, references, and he's like, it got very, it went from a very fun night to like, oh, Mark Summers, fun figure from our past, to like, we all hate Mark Summers forever now, and he's not welcome back in, in the city of Louisville ever again. So that's what happened. That's the story there. And he he's... He's been an arch enemy ever since. I think he blocked me on Twitter that night. I don't don't even know what he's tweeting anymore. Hope his Food Network show sucks.
1: My favorite text is Taylor Swift slut-shaming Margaret Margaret Thatcher. (laughs) <laughs> that's, a, <laughs> that's a good one uh, we can we can run with
0: that <laughs> 502 414 is the Thornton text line I do want to talk a little bit more about um, Bob Huggins we sort of glossed over it yesterday the story just keeps getting more and more insane I want to get into that this hour and then we can talk a little uh, Cardinal basketball reaction from yesterday also reminder Louisville women's basketball they start their global jam tomorrow we'll talk about how you can watch those games coming up in a little bit and also this hour we're going to give away two tickets to tomorrow's Louisville City FC game against Pittsburgh Riverhounds. Uh, they're top of the table, the Riverhounds are. The game is going to kick off at 8 p.m. It is, um, uh, they got the fan zone opening up at 6 30. They're going to have $2 hot dogs and beers before the match kicks off. Tickets to the match, if you don't win today, are still available by calling 502 Lou City or visiting loucity.com slash tickets. Big one tomorrow night out there at Lynn Family Stadium. We're going to give you two tickets for free. All right, we'll take some more text here. 502-414-1450 is the Thornton text line. Texture says, uh, the Home Run Derby was better back in the day with the 10-out format. You had great memories like McGuire in Fenway and Griffey in Coors Field. The McGuire-Fenway was unreal. And also, like, you know, people are like, well, he was steroided up. That's, that, was... The Home Run Derby is the one time in baseball where you're like, cork the bats, Get roided up. This is what we want to see. Hit it as far as, like the Josh Hamilton one was a a great one as well back in like 07, 08. I remember that being a memorable event. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, when I think Homer and Derby, I think Griffey, I think McGuire, I think like Josh Hamilton. I don't really care about who won in the end, even though most of the time those guys won. Texas says, I think T-Swizzle is slut-shaming Helen Keller. Uh, we all know the Taylor Swift song is about her scorned lover, Trevor.
1: Everybody knows that.
0: Trevor would do this thing where he's like, I'm I'm too I'm too good for for Taylor Swift. I'm too high made. She, I, I don't like the way she dances. <laughs> Trevor's got the highest standards for anybody who, who should not have high standards of all time. Texture says, um, yeah, it was about Taylor's version only, Patrick. The lyric change is great. We love growth. Yeah, it was about Joe Jonas' new girlfriend, I think. That's kind of, I mean that is aggressive, though, to go after Joe Jonas' new girlfriend for seemingly no other reason other than she's with your old guy it seems very untaylor i can see how maybe she wouldn't want to grow get a little bit more mature as time has gone on would you if you would you go to a taylor swift concert patrick
1: i went to the reputation tour in 2018
0: attaboy i I, I, knew, I figured the answer was going to be yes um because we've talked about mary being
1: i don't think i would have paid the tickets for the for the for the Eras tour, but oh, I went yeah. to the Reputation tour in 2018.
0: So Mary got lucky, like again her friend got like the she's one of the few people who got the the non Ticketmaster gobbled up tickets and so she got to pay face value and that was I-, I think worth it. I would not have paid what I know that some people that I know paid to go. But she went 5 years ago as well. I mean, we have Mary's got a one her best friend, the same concert uh, two Friday nights ago in Cincinnati was sitting, I mean, like in the little they don't call it a pit, but it's like right around the stage. And she, again, this is Mary's best friend, would not tell Mary how much she paid for the tickets. She's like, I don't want to be judged. I, 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 don't, I don't want you to, to to think less of me. I'm just not going to tell you. But if, I, if I'd gotten in, if I could have gotten face value tickets, I probably would have
1: gone. I would have gone.
0: It seems. It, it's, it's How much did Mary
1: pay, if you don't mind me asking?
0: I mean, I think, it would, again, she got like face value. Her friend oh, got yeah. them, and so she just gave. So I think it was like 125 bucks, which was, again, not bad for what those tickets were going for. I would pay that to go. Texture says Mike was the Todd father performance not good enough for you. Again, I brought this up on yesterday's show. It was the only cool thing that happened to the Reds in in like 20 really from like 2014 through like 2019. Um I was in Italy for this. We, we were we were visiting uh, my friend in Italy who was a diplomat at the time and then exploring the country and actually just got a, like my phone today had like the memory. It's like 8 years ago today. I was like, "Wow, that was that was a good time. Not that I don't enjoy being here in Jeffersonville, Indiana with, with young Patrick Ryan, but being on the, the the beaches in the Mediterranean in Italy was a, a slight upgrade. But so I had to – this is a five-hour time difference. I was watching on a crappy stream at like 30 in the morning, and I don't think I, I even made it to the end. I just woke up with like a million texts from my friends about how cool it was. It was like the coolest thing that happened to the Reds that year. Todd Frazier winning it at, at Great American Ballpark, but I feel like I didn't really get to embrace it because I was, I, I was overseas. I watched that, and I watched the, the U.S. Women's National Team in the World Cup, which is also coming up now. Beat it was, it was the year they beat Japan like eight to nothing in the finals. i had to stream that on my computer too, which was, not ideal. Texas, is there a scarier fan group than Swifties?
1: Did you see her like, because. The, the, her surprise song you and trevor kept calling them secret songs they're surprise songs surprise songs you're right surprise songs yeah uh but it was she played dear john which is obviously about, about john, john mayer. mayer yeah and she like prefaced it with like you all need to stop going after john mayer so much oh really yeah like at, at one of her, con- i think it was the one in minnesota It's like stop being so aggressive with john mayer especially whenever speak now taylor's version comes out some songs about him are out of the vault don't aggressively attack him
0: I did not know this. I did see, you know, the, the meme is out. It's been beaten to the ground now. For the last like few weeks or so of the the guy who whispered into George W. Bush's ear that a, a second plane just hit the tower. Yeah, but he's reading, and then I, I did see the one the other day that was like, uh, uh, "Mr. President, a second, dear John, just hit John Mayer." When the <laughs> when the album came out, which I thought was pretty clever, but that uh, I, I didn't realize that she was. Now telling people to to leave John Mayer alone. John Mayer's had a a rough run when it comes to he was sort of the darling of that genre of music for a long time. And then he had the, the the quote in the magazine about black women, which sort of started the whole like racist thing. And then he had the 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 allegations of kind of being an a-hole from both uh who was it? It was somebody else in addition to Taylor Swift, who dated John Mayer. Somebody famous. Was it uh, Jennifer Aniston? Somebody famous. Somebody like that. Like He's kind of gotten pegged as a D-bag recently, and he's sort of been under the radar ever since then.
1: Just been playing with The Grateful Dead. Yeah, exactly. And now Taylor Swift. With his, his headphones that. on. He looks like an idiot. He,
0: yeah, he kind of does. John Mayer was like... So I'd never heard of John Mayer, and like he was kind of like a... I don't want to say underground, but he was... This is back in the day when it was harder to find new music, but like every super rich kid at, at Trinity and St. X when I was like a freshman in high school was obsessed with John Mayer and it became like, like John Mayer's in town. I remember freshman baseball like a couple of the kids on the team were like there's a John Mayer concert and I was like who the hell is John Mayer? I was like this guy this guy's never gonna make it and then sure enough by the end of high school he had he had like a huge album with all these pop hits and stuff but he was a very much a a Louisville rich kid legend back yeah. in like 2000.
1: I only know like two John Mayer songs. So. Yeah,
0: He has a couple that are okay. I don't, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not gonna hate on John too much. Because Taylor told me to. Uh, Jessica Simpson, thank you, is the, the other person that he dated for a long time that I think had not nice things to say about him. Texas, isn't Joe Jonas married to the annoying redheaded Stark from Game of Thrones? Is he? That sounds right, actually. I know that she's married to, and I can't remember her He's name. She's
1: married to Sophie Turner.
0: Yeah, that's her. That's then, yeah. She was, uh, yeah, she was uh, the, Sansa the queen Stark. of Winterfell, Sansa, Sansa. Yeah. Um, I'd forgotten that. So is that song about Sansa Stark? About Sophie Turner?
1: Yeah, no, uh, I don't. I wouldn't think. Because it came out, when did the original Speak Now come out? I don't know. It's been
0: too long. It's been too long. She wasn't that famous back then. Yeah. There's no way she's slut-shaming Sansa Stark. Okay, Anyways, <laughs> Te- Texas says, uh, with TJ Capers reclassifying to 2023, there are actually fans now upset because the 2024 class just looks lean. Why can't people just be glad we get him on campus? That's a great question. I mean, say what you will about the actual products on the field, and we'll see what Jeff does this fall in his first season. And obviously we'll see what Kenny does in his second season coming up this winter. This has been the last, like, whatever, year or so, has been the least that any of us should ever be complaining about recruiting in any of our entire lives. I mean, we have a top... Three, according to at least one scouting service, U of L men's basketball class coming in. They got a couple of nice players in the transfer portal, not as many as I would have liked, but as far as the traditional recruiting is concerned, I mean, Kenny Payne crushed it. Top three class. Top five class at worst. Football, you get one of the highest You didn't get a couple of the big names that you had committed for a few months, and that's understandable given the fact that you had a coaching change. You still managed to reel in. One of the highest-rated recruiting classes in the history of the program, and one of the best classes in the ACC. And now, I think even without TJ Capers, you've got what thirteen players in this 2024 class already locked down, including a handful of nice four-star prospects, including the highest-rated player from the state of Kentucky. Like, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I guess some people just want reasons to complain, and and, I, and I'm not saying you know, people will get mad about this. People are like, oh, you just you. People are looking for reasons to complain about the basketball program. If you want to complain about 4-28 and 28 and having a lack of faith in, in the team's ability to to get the job done this season, I think that that's justifiable. But as far if you want to complain about the, the way that the, the staff is recruiting high school prospects right now, I don't think that you can do that in either football or men's basketball. But some people are, are going to look for the, the, the negatives. <laughs> the 24 class just took a hit because its top prospect went to 23. Uh, TJ Walker texted in. He says, the bear overall is slightly overrated, (laughs) but the Christmas episode is great cinema. It'll deservedly win awards. I I mean, I feel like on this show, I was all in on the bear as a recommendation because the text line was so over the top, and and I've heard so many things on social media and people that I know who watch it and who are all all about it. And I feel like there's been almost like a... Not a backlash, but the text line has kind of backtracked a little bit. You're seeing a lot of people who are like, "Yeah, it's okay," but it's definitely over. A lot of people who are taking TJ stands, and now I don't know if I want to dive in. I also, it's it's tough to dive into a show when so many people are saying, yeah, the first season's good," but the second season's the best. I'm like, well, I, you know, I don't, want, I don't want to start and just kind of like trudge through. I hate when people say that, and, and I know that there've been a lot of times where I followed through, and they've been totally right, and it's been worth it. But I hate when you get the whole, like, you've just got to fight your way through the first season. Or, God forbid, there's some shows where people are like, if you just get through the first three seasons, the last four are great. I'm like, I don't want to waste. Like, it's like, three seasons of TV is like, it's like a month for me now. It's a, it's a huge time commitment.
1: I don't know. I've been watching Suits.
0: I've heard good things about Suits. i never watched
1: it. I started re-watching it. I started watching it whenever, like... Before it got to Netflix, I was watching it on Prime Video, and they got put on Netflix, and now like everybody in the world's rewatching it. Are they? It's it's a popular watch slash rewatch right now.
0: Is this with the Youngs, or is this with just? It's with everybody. Everybody's just rewatching Suits now. That's what they say. I don't know. I'm out of the loop. I don't. It's why I keep you around. I need to know what's going on.
1: Texter says. <laughs> um, you see the text that just came in? No. It just it just says bleep TJ. It is great. <laughs> it says, <laughs>
0: Leap TJ. The bear is great. You will enjoy both seasons. The second is just better. I, I'm gonna watch it. I, I definitely am going to watch it. We're watching when we finish Ted Lasso. I think it's, it's going to be next on the list because we have you know, we've got Hulu. We can just pop that bad boy on. Should be a nice show that we can watch together. I mean, that's we have a nice little groove going right now. Get the kids down. Be done with that around 9 p.m. Get at least an episode of Lasso in. I think we can move on to something else. We got through. I mean, we got through two se- uh, the whole se- series of Veep. I'm pretty proud of us. We're... Woo! It's getting better. Texas, the people who say the bear is overrated are wrong. See, now we're getting... It's backlash to the backlash. And now I feel like I'm back into like, just wanting to watch it. Texas says, she played a super annoying character very well, but I still hate Sansa for being so annoying. She, I mean... Sansa was the odd character in Game of Thrones where, she, I mean, God, she was so annoying in the first couple of seasons. because, And she was supposed to be. She was... She was supposed to be a hated character. She was this spoiled, entitled, and then she got, she went through so much that you felt it was impossible not to feel sympathy for. Her. I thought she played that well, and then at the end she kind of got annoying again. You were like, I don't care how much torture you went through from seasons two through five. I kind of want you to die. She, yeah, I think Sophie Turner's a good actress. I will say, like they, that show did a fantastic job of hiring actors. That were so easy to to hate, so easy to, to want to punch in the face. like the kid who played Joffrey, you just, you wanted him dead. You wanted him to die the most horrible death of all time. The kid who played um, uh, Robin, who was like the young kid who was still breastfeeding at like age 10 or whatever, like he had the most punchable face in the entire world. They hired the perfect kid actor for all these characters uh, to just want it to be hated. They, they did a great job. The last two seasons still sucked. Uh, TJ
1: responded to the text.
0: <laughs> TJ's now <laughs> active in the text line and said, crime more, dork. And <laughs> signed it. TJ's feisty today. Uh, Texture says, um, oh my god, the same rich kid come stoner group could not get enough Dave Matthews and Tim Reynolds. I don't remember Tim Reynolds. I, don't, I mean... Dave Matthews was a little bit more before my time. I think when the high school kids were very into Dave, Matthews. like I like Dave. I've, I've said this before. Like I like Dave Matthews. I still like Dave Matthews.
1: Dave Matthews came out and played in a, it's the Dead and Company's like last few shows Dave, with John they, Mayer and Dave Matthews came out and played in their show in Colorado.
0: I saw Dave Matthews in in on Day and went to Wright State, the Nutter Center. Great name. Uh he was and it was great, but like I did go to that concert and I was just I was like, I don't like I was like, I feel like I wouldn't get along with a lot of the people here. But it was yes yeah, I don't I can't hold that against Dave Matthews. But when I was in high school, it was John Mayer, and I don't even know if you know this, this group, Patrick, but O A R slash or never heard of, of a revolution. They were very big to like the like Sanex kids, my God, just loved OAR. They had the song Crazy Game of Poker, which is probably their most famous song that people just Ate up back then. And I kind of liked OAR, but I wasn't like – I mean, they were, they were always playing in Louisville. But that was the – those were the two groups that people were just going nuts. Texture says, absolutely not as far as Sansa Stark. I never felt bad for her because she was such a spoiled brat. And then says, are we going to do football game rewatches before the season starts? I would like to. Now, Trevor kind of ruined it last year. So if you, if you didn't listen to the show last summer, one of the things that we did, and we probably need to get back on this since we got about a month and a half left of real summer – we would do assigned rewatches, a great game from U of l Past. you you had like four days to go home and watch it, and then we would spend like an hour of one of the shows in the middle of the week talking about the game. And I thought the first time it worked out fantastically. We did the original blackout game, 06, the win over West Virginia, which was mm-hmm. like. You know, you think you remember a lot of the details about these games, and, and some of them you do. But there was a lot of stuff that I would just forgotten about that gets lost. You, know, you remember the highlights, you remember the big things, you remember the, the 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 fumble, the scoop and score. You remember the final score. Remember that it was a blackout and all that stuff. I don't
1: remember, but well, you were continue. You, you yeah, you were like <laughs> three years old.
0: I remember it though. And going back and watching the game, there was so much stuff that you just picked up that you'd kind of forgotten about. And then we did, um. I want to say Louisville versus East Carolina and the, the, the year that they won the Liberty bowl to win. Basically it was like with conference USA on the line. Uh, we, we won this game it was a really, really good game. And Trevor just, just didn't watch it. And I had assumed, cause like the time before he was so worried about me not watching it. He was like, he's like, you got to watch it. Reminder, watch the game, watch the game, watch the game. And I did. And it, it worked out well. I thought the text line was very involved we had a good discussion about it, and then like I didn't hear anything from Trevor for the for the East Carolina game, so I just assumed that he did his homework. And then we came in, and it was just him trying to watch the game while we <laughs> did the show. And he's like, "Oh yeah." And then in the first quarter, like Dave, we going. To, I'm like, "You can't do this. This is not the way that it works." And it kind of ended up being a disaster. And then I just I lost all trust, so we just had to scrap. But if we were going to do a rewatch for next week, throw a game out, basketball or football.
1: We give Trevor off Friday, and I'll come in and do it. I'll watch it. I, see, we could I, do a game that I'm watching for the first time.
0: I trust you. Yeah, you you, you need to learn. You need to learn about the
1: ooh the uh, the five overtime Notre Dame game. Oh, we lost that game. No, we don't have to do that one.
0: I was there. I'd rather not watch that one. I don't know. Plenty of time to uh...
1: that. Like I thought back to like the first games I remember watching, and I kind of remember that one.
0: God, that makes me feel old. I was out of co- yeah, it was, it was 2013. <laughs> I was like in my I was like 28.
1: I was seven.
0: That, that's,
1: that's, I was about to turn eight.
0: That's horrifying.
1: I was about to turn eight.
0: <laughs> I was there. We drank all day up there in South Bend, and then we snuck one bottle of uh, like, like bourbon in a like, like water bottle into the game. It's like me, it's, it's like six dudes, five or six guys, and we're like passing it back and forth and like taking rips during the game. We're in the second row from the very top, and there's these girls behind us, and they're like, college. <laughs> and I was like, damn it. You got us. Texas says John Mayer did date her when he was 32 and she was 19. That's which is a little creepy.
1: A little creepy. He dated Taylor Swift. Taylor
0: Swift when she was 19, he was 32. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that. Can we get your opinion uh, about Trevor trying to defend his friend who's 40 and is dating a 19 year old? I mean,
1: that's one year older than you. That's weird. It's super weird. We do need to watch a Jeff Brom quarterback game. That needs to be the rewatch. Somebody said the Michigan State Liberty Bowl. But like, there has to be one, a full game available on YouTube That's the, that's is the, the struggle.
0: Is I don't know how many of those games are available. I do think that there's like...
1: The, I, f- the full games available of Jeff Brom, his, the only game where he ever threw a touchdown pass in the NFL, that full game's on YouTube.
0: Well, we're not doing that.
1: I know. It was T.O.'s first ever. Jeff Brom's first and only touchdown pass was T.O.'s first ever touchdown reception. But I didn't know that.
0: I did not know that. And then didn't Brian throw a touchdown pass? No, he threw a touchdown pass to Chad Johnson.
1: I don't think Brian ever threw a touchdown.
0: I thought he did.
1: I don't know if he ever threw a touchdown.
0: Maybe it was. I, I thought he threw at least one. Because Je- Jeff has one,
1: and I think Brian has zero. Oh,
0: is that what it is? Maybe it was a preseason game.
1: <laughs> I don't know if you can read that text, but it's, it's funny.
0: My text line's is not updating. It's The the internet here is just driving me absolutely crazy. Um, Je- I think that the... One of the only Jeff quarterback games, and somebody can do research on this. I th- I think the game that we lose to Ohio State that he quarterbacked is on YouTube in full. And then I want to say, I don't know if this was a Jeff game, the game that we played Texas. I think he was a quarterback when we played Texas. I think that game is on there. We could do that one. We just destroyed him because uh, we, we, yeah we, we beat the blue. I would like to rewatch the Michigan State game because that's a game that I remember, I feel like that, those two teams, the, the the Fiesta Bowl team and the the Liberty Bowl team, are the first two teams that like made me fall in love with Cardinal football. Like I Louisville basketball, I was all about before, but I mean, I was seven for the Fiesta Bowl and like nine. I remember being in third grade for the Liberty Bowl team, and I remember watching. I got the Liberty a Fiesta Bowl, Bowl
1: T-shirt. Well, that's that's
0: worth it. <laughs> I remember watching the Liberty Bowl. Like I, I remember watching the game, but I can't. I mean, the details escape me. And the Fiesta Bowl game, even then, like I, I remember the. The touchdown pass, the guy runs into the the, yeah. the goalpost. Jeff
1: Brown. That Jeff didn't start that game, but Alabama's only touchdown was a Jeff Brown pick six.
0: I, didn't, I don't think I remember that either. I remember Dabo played in that game. How's that taste, Dabo? Suck so it, Dabo. Texas is. Ah, I can't read that. The TK's the, the TK's friend thing is it's it's weird. I don't know. I mean, think about like your so your girlfriend, the girls that you hang out with now.
1: A, a, one of them's like, yeah, I'm dating a forty year old
0: yeah like a, a, a year from now one of them dating a forty like what do you talk about like i don't i mean like I don't know what I talk about with, with a like a twenty four year old girl at this point like I, i'm i'm thirty eight I have no idea what I would even bring up I have no idea how you're a forty year old and you inter- like how do you even like interact like are you like, the way that I would interact with with, with women when I was like twenty one like twenty nineteen is completely different than than now It's like even even if I were single, I just I would have no idea. Texture says, talk more about the Reds, Mike. We all care. Maybe you can cover some of the local teams in Cleveland and Columbus too. Get your boy Danny on. Sorry, it's too hot and I'm becoming angry. Guy.
1: <laughs> the full ninety three Fiesta Bowl, I mean Liberty Bowl, is on YouTube.
0: All right, I, I, I we need to do that. That's the assignment.
1: The Tennessee game where we lose forty one to 10, 45 to ten is also well. On we here. don't
0: need to watch that. One. The. Before, I'm doing this without Trevor's knowledge, before next Wednesday, you need to watch the Liberty Bowl game on YouTube. And we're going to talk about it. And if we, if I have to bring Patrick on to, to spend that hour, we'll do that. Liberty Bowl, 93, let's make it happen. If you, well, I mean, People are saying Texas now. If you have other suggestions, I'm open to that. Hit us up at 502-414-1450.
1: Texas probably be more fun, but Liberty Bowl is probably like a bigger game. Texas, I don't remember. I got,
0: the only thing that I know about the Texas game is there's the – the Courier-Journal photo the day after of John Ramsey with Muhammad Ali on the golf cart, and it referred to him as John Ramos, which, <laughs> which, which I love. But like, I, I know, I'm sure I watched it back in the day, but I have no recollection. I have no memory of watching that game, like where I was. And usually I, I at least remember something about the games. Maybe I had like, my own game or something. It was a vacation. I have no idea. But I just don't remember that game at all, being a kid. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, fi- uh, we'll take more text at 502-414-1450. I do also want to talk about the latest development in this Bob Huggins saga because it's it's just too weird not to discuss. So we'll get, get to that, and we'll give away these two tickets to tomorrow's loose City FC game. Keep it locked right here. More Rutherford Show is next on 1450 and 961. The Big X. Underestimated just who I
1: was dealing with. She had to know the pain. Me like a drum She underestimated just who she was stealing from She's not a saint And she's not what you think. She's an actress and whoa. He was not mark to the thing She was holding
0: at Lynn Family Stadium. Energy's unmatched there on summer nights. Grab a few friends, the family, head to the fan zone. It's going to open at 6.30 p.m. They've got $2 hot dogs and beers before the match kicks off. You won't find a better deal than that. And then cheer on the boys in Purple Foot would be a very, very large victory. Two tickets are going to give away. First person to correctly answer the question that we're about to ask on the Thornton's text line are going to win these tickets. The text line again, 502-414-1450. How many home runs did Vladimir Guerrero Jr. hit in his final round last night? There you go. First person to correctly text in the the answer to that question is going to win the tickets. I know it's not soccer related, but... But you don't have anything better. We don't have anything better. And also, we discussed it earlier in the show. We like to reward people that listen to the entire show with tickets. Sometimes we do, you know, what? How did what did Trevor say? <laughs> Sometimes we do references to things that were said on shows in the week past. I'm trying to see if somebody's answering this correctly. They have not yet.
1: <laughs>
0: Just the 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 last round. The last round. How many home runs did Vlad Jr. hit in the final round? That's what we're going for. First person to correctly answer. It's good. There we go. Okay, we have we, we have a winner. Boom. Done. Two tickets. Let me let this person know. They have one. There's got to be a better way to do this, but we haven't established one yet. Boom. 25 is the correct answer. Vlad Jr. took down the home run crown by knocking off uh, Randy Orozarena in the finals with 25 home runs. Becoming the first father-son duo along with his dad to ever win the home run derby. I did like that somebody was like, you removed Ken Griffey Sr. last night, which I thought was
1: a funny tweet. Have you seen that? I, I saw that tweet. Did, have, you, have you watched that guy on YouTube at all? Foolish Baseball? No, is it good? Yeah. It's like informational old baseball stuff. It's pretty cool. I'm down for that. Yeah.
0: All right, check it out. I just thought it was, thought it was a funny tweet. Now I need to follow the guy. Make it happen. Texas, hey, Mike, I will nominate the 2004 Liberty Bowl versus Boise State for a rewatch. Two top team, uh, top ten teams. Also, there's a Braum in the game, albeit it is, is your least favorite Braum. It is. On a side note, maybe upset the random Boise fan of the show you have with that, that that's a good idea the Boise game rewi I mean I so you I mean you were even younger for that like, you were like one years old for that game
1: 2004 yeah I wasn't born
0: doing the math of my head oh my God you weren't you, you were <laughs> born in 5 5
1: oh505 05,
0: 2005 Jeez, that's right how, I don't know how you always say that and I always forget it which is very cool 050505 05, 05. that's awesome but 04 it was New Year's Eve. This is my sophomore year of college, which again makes me feel horribly, horribly old. One of the most fun like, game watches I've had for a game that I didn't actually attend of all time. And I do think, I'm, I know I'm repeating myself if you've listened to this, every episode of every show for the last two years. But I do think that we don't get enough credit or didn't get enough credit as a program for winning that game. And I think we would have gotten dramatically more credit if the win in that same game, that same setup, that same situation. Had happened in 2008 after Boise State had won the Fiesta Bowl against Oklahoma. After they had started upsetting teams in regular season, getting some big time games and becoming this basically like the Gonzaga of college football at that point in time. Like when we beat them, and keep in mind, that's for my money, that's the best Louisville football team of all time, 2004. You can make arguments to the contrary. I won't. Get to like, like maybe I'm totally wrong. I think 2013 is probably the most talented team. 20 2006 certainly has an argument. 2012 certainly has an argument. Uh, if you want to say Lamar Jackson in 2016, 2023, 2020, 2023 should be right up there. 2025 is going to win a national title and, and put to bed any of these these discussions.
1: Whenever the Georgia home and home starts, that's going to be. Can't wait. That team's going to. I think that is 2025. I think it's yeah. 25. And After we curb-stomp Kirby.
0: I can't wait. The 04 team as of right now. Though, was just a juggernaut. And they are a, not just the a dropped interception by Kerry Rhodes away, but a Stephon Lafour's concussion away. If he doesn't get the concussion and fumble the snap on the next play, then we we win. If we So many different things. If we just punt the ball out of bounds. We, we had a shanked punt in bounds that led to a Devin Hester punt return for a touchdown. If if none of these things, ha- if just one of these things doesn't happen, Louisville wins that game and goes undefeated. They still don't get to play for a national title, but we could have had a legitimate complaint, we would have gotten to play in a BCS game, all that good stuff. So you've got that Louisville team, 11-1, they're only lost to Miami, which is just ending the height of that second, like, the U era. And then you've got Boise State, who's undefeated and in the top 10. And an undefeated Boise State team in the top 10 just didn't mean as much then as it would two or three years later, or as it would now. And I feel like we just kind of get... Lost over for winning what was a really competitive game, and the the weird thing about that game, and this is why I would like to go back and rewatch it, is my memory of it is we didn't even play our best. Like I, I feel like we didn't play a fantastic game, and we still wound up, you know, winning and virtually leading most of the second half. And I know Michael Bush took over in the third quarter. I would love to to, to rehash that. That was kind of the Michael Bush coming of age performance where he finally broke out, and you're like, man, this dude's gonna be electric as a running back because before then it was. You know, his freshman season, it was, can he play quarterback? And then it was, is he going to play wide receiver? Do you move him to tight end? Can he really play running back full-time? We just sort of used him in a variety of ways. And this was this was when you were like, okay, the dudes a running back, and he's going to be a fantastic one, and that's that, that's what wound up happening. So, yeah, oh four 4 Liberty Bowl would be a fun rewatch. Texas said, I just turned on the show, and I'm sure you already talked about it, but can you give a T.J. Capers update recap? We'll do that in the next hour. We spent the first segment talking mostly T.J. Capers, so... Well, we'll get back to that. Texas says, Scottsdale has a Fiesta Bowl museum. It's pretty small, more of a storefront, but it's nice, and seeing the display for the 91 game is pretty special. How about a Big X road trip to Scottsdale for the Fiesta Bowl museum?
1: Or maybe Trevor, wherever Trevor is, he can just make, make slide over to Scottsdale. Where is Trevor?
0: That, that, that would be something that Trevor would do on one of these road trips, where he'd just be like, yeah, stopped in Scottsdale for the Fiesta Bowl museum. Boom. It was pretty cool.
1: Or he he just stops on like the, the corner in Winslow, Arizona from a uh, take it easy. He just goes and sees that.
0: <laughs> um, Texture says, Here's something that I learned watching the Liberty Bowl Aaron Bailey is Amari Bailey's dad. I had no clue. I did know this, but like it's not discussed a ton. Like, he's I, I remember writing about it when we were recruiting him back in the day. Like, he I don't think was overly involved. Um, Maybe I'm getting the story wrong, but I feel like it was one of those things where like he he wasn't. It wasn't talked about that much because Aaron Bailey, and his his wife's famous too. I think am I just fumbling this entire story? Anyways, um, Aaron Bailey was my favorite. He, he talk about the Brahms and all that stuff. Aaron Bailey was the first U of A football player that I fell in love with. Like I, I wore the when I was playing flag football, I wore like the little cutoff undershirt like like he did at the, at the belly, just because I thought it was cool. Like I was,
1: uh, I it is loved, pretty cool. It
0: was, it still is
1: cool. It is pretty cool.
0: I loved Aaron Bailey. He was the absolute man. But yeah, he's he's Amari Bailey's dad. I wish he could have gotten him to come play here, but what are you gonna do? Now he's in the NBA. Texture says, um, "Do you play Context to me?" I have no idea what that means. I saw, uh, I saw that. I think it's like Contexto dot me, like a Wordle type game. I think I don't know. I started playing. People shared the um, immaculate grid. The immaculate grid with me.
1: Love the immaculate.
0: It's grid. fun. I I look forward to it every day. I was disappointed with myself today. Today was the first day where I thought I was gonna get all nine because I've only played like four or five times. But today you had both the Reds and the Braves on there, and I was like, ah, oh, I can I can nail this. My lack of Rays knowledge just bit
1: me. My lack of two hundred plus hit seasons got me today. I got like a few of those wrong letters. I got I put Garrett Cole in. I put Mac. Not to spoil the immaculate grid for okay. anybody, but those are two popular answers, I'm sure. So it's not if you don't I, know those.
0: Maybe this was yesterday's then. I guess I haven't played today.
1: Yeah. Oh, not to spoil it, it. Yeah, it was okay. like Astros, Dodgers, yeah, I Yankees. Yeah, it was. I put Garrett Cole and Max Scherzer, and it was like 200 plus hits in a season, and I got like multiple wrong guesses, and I was like, all right, I'm done with this. Yeah, yeah. Once you,
0: yeah, when, there was a one the other day where I was like, I don't, I don't, I'm not gonna play the rest of the way. I missed yeah. like three of my first four guesses,
1: but it is yeah. fun. I enjoy it. I've I've only gotten like all nine like once.
0: Apparently, there's two immaculate grid games today. That makes sense because I was like, I know I I played this morning. Oh well,
1: yeah, they they did one after midnight, then one again at noon. Okay,
0: yeah, because the one I did today was the it had the, the Reds and the Rays and the Braves on it, and then I think it was, I think it was just like was it Hall of Fame was the uh, third whatever it was like the the first two I were didn't really play easy.
1: after midnight. So, yeah. but it is I don't fun. Know.
0: It's it's fun. I enjoy it. Texas, says, I agree with you totally, Mike, on the 0 team potentially being the best ever. The team had four running backs that played in the NFL. Eric Shelton, Lionel Gates, Michael Bush, and George Stripling. Several others that played in the league as well. And that was a very good Boise State team that they beat in the Liberty Bowl. The team doesn't get recognized near enough. I mean, I think... I mean, up up until... and I'm not just doing this because Brian Braum is my arch enemy. But up until Teddy came, I would always argue that Stefan LaForce was the best quarterback we had. I mean, he just... I've never... I've never followed a UFL quarterback who just saw the field the way that he did. Who always seemed to make the play. It's easy to watch from the stands or watch from from home and be like, you can just see certain things watching the game. And you're like, oh, keep it on a third and three. There's like there's a lane right there. It's a lot more difficult to to recognize all that stuff when you're playing quarterback. And he always seemed to just do what you wanted him to do. He always made the play that you needed to be play to be made in that situation. He was fantastic, and he was so accurate. He was. Yeah, so athletic and just so tough. He was, he was awesome, and he handled the situation with Brian coming in and getting, you know, at least a series every single game. I thought so well, and this is, this is the guy who was the reigning Conference USA Offensive Player of the Year as a junior in two thousand three, and he comes back to school, and his head coach is like, this freshman's also going to play, and imagine that in this day and age. Do what would have transferred. Like, any quarterback in that situation right now would be like, no, I'm gone. I'm a conference player of the year. We're going to be really good. I'm not splitting time with a freshman. That's ridiculous. And he handled it so well, and he wound up winning, I think, uh, I think he wound up being first team all CUSA, and Brian was the CUSA freshman of the year. It was just a – those marriages so rarely work, and that one was fantastic, and it wouldn't have worked if everybody involved hadn't been – mature enough to make it happen. I guess maybe including Bobby Petrino which <laughs> maybe mature is not the right word. Texas Aaron Bailey was my guy back in the day as well. It was he was he was so cool. Takes,
1: Jack, you see Jack Payton just got drafted. Did he? Good. Three thirty to the Giants.
0: I'm surprised he went that low. Me too. Um, and, and we can we can use that as a nice segue to talk about it. I did want to bring up the fact that we had um three different U of L players Drafted on day two of the draft uh, yesterday. Christian Napchik went to the Cleveland Guardians in the fifth round. Tate Keener, uh, relief pitcher, went to the Brewers in the seventh round. And then Ryan Hawks, who was the Friday starter for most of last year, went to the Mariners in the eighth round. Now, I thought that Jack Payton was going to be the first U L player drafted. There was a lot of talk about, especially considering how well U L catchers have done moving on to the professional ranks. I mean, you, obviously, you've got Will Smith you've got uh, Henry Davis Henry just Henry Davis being the number 1 pick who now is I think he's still is he playing mostly left field for them?
1: I'm not sure. I think he hit a home run the other day. Did he? Yeah, he hit his first career home run the other day.
0: I know he was playing a little bit of outfield for the Pirates, he'll eventually I think go back to being their everyday catcher, but like Louisville's had a great run of success with catchers going on and playing professionally and Jack Payton seems to be the next up. He always seemed to me like their best prospect this past season, but yeah, not hearing his name called the second day was a surprise to me, but now you say that again. Where's it, where'd he go?
1: Uh, San Francisco, round eleven, pick three thirty. West Coast Cardinals, man. They, they just they, they love it out there.
0: He now becomes the one hundred and third U of L baseball player to hear his name called in the MLB draft since Dan McDonald took over the program in two thousand seven, yeah. which he, is wild.
1: He joins Logan Wyatt in that farm system. He's a, he's at San Francisco. Logan Wyatt
0: raking right now. I love the um, the. There's an account that keeps up with all the, it's like Cards and the Pros. Yeah. It keeps up with all the baseball, just the baseball players, which I think is is fantastic. It's because I wouldn't see that stuff elsewhere. And that person, whoever that is, you do a fantastic job. I'm giving all sorts of shout outs today. The Deadstock Visuals guy is fantastic. The Louisville Baseball alumni guy on Twitter is fantastic as well. You guys keep doing what you're doing. We love you. Uh, Texture says, again, 502 414 1450. Texture says, TK travels across the country to an Arby's. He makes a pit stop at the Fiesta Bowl Museum and then complains that it's too small and not smoker friendly. Well, that would be his, <laughs> the the not smoker friendly complaints. are my, He's like, yeah, hey, just treat me like I'm a leper. When I'm like, yeah, people, you can't smoke in most places anymore. It's twenty twenty three.
1: Well, we're not too far away from being able to smoke weed anywhere. So but there is that. That's, he's got that going for him.
0: I mean, yeah, he. There's, there's a give and a take here, Trevor. <laughs> <laughs>
1: He, he's in this purgatory of not being able to smoke anything indoors wherever he wants.
0: <laughs> worse than Nazi Germany. Texas says uh, I was front row, 50 yard line behind our bench at the 04 Liberty Bowl. Most fun I've ever had at a game. I just remember.
1: What's the most fun you've ever had at a game?
0: Oh, that's a great question. Like fo- just football?
1: Football and basketball.
0: I mean, 2013 national championship is hard to beat for, yeah, for basketball. For sure. but I feel like that's all like a cheat answer. If we're talking just football, I mean, the Florida State game in 2016 may have been just the most fun. But even then, I was. We sort of have forgotten the narrative going into that game was Florida State not just against us, but specifically against us. Had made all these crazy comebacks. They, you know, we we had them beat in 2014. We had them dead to rights. They made a huge comeback. Um, yeah, you know, th- th- I think two weeks before in their season opener against Ole Miss, they'd made a gigantic comeback to win. So I remember it being 35 to 10 at halftime, I believe. And I was like, I'm not, I'm, I'm still not confident. Like I won't, I won't be. It wasn't until the punt return touchdown by Jair that made it 42 to 10, where I was like, okay, I, I feel pretty good. If they win this, then hats off to them. If they're going to overcome a 32 point second half deficit, but like I. After that, it was just full on blowout party. I got very drunk. It was fantastic. Yeah. It was that was that was maybe the most fun.
1: That and then the uh, for Louisville football, but I've spent a good amount of time at Purdue the last few years. I was on the field for the Ohio State upset. That's probably my overall answer. That'd be a good time. Yeah,
0: I can imagine that being a good time. Yeah.
1: So, but Louisville football is definitely either that one or the the. I was at the Wake Forest game last year. That was pretty good time. Did you storm? Yeah, I did.
0: I've never stormed a field.
1: I I was I stormed I stormed the field after the after that Florida State game you're talking about. I was like 11 years old.
0: Did people storm after that? I don't even remember it.
1: It was like a small storm. It was wasn't It, okay. it was kind of like the Wake Forest one. I remember um I was out there though. With I have a picture with Travion Samuel.
0: Wow. Oh, I, I do I'm like
1: 11 I, years old like almost taller than him.
0: I vaguely remember. We uh we spent the end of that game humblbrag with a uh, with Tom Jurch and the UFL like the the, the luminaries up there at the, at the very end of the game so which was also very cool and just kept drinking up there which was fun um so I I, I vaguely remember the field storm I wasn't at the I couldn't get tickets to the West Virginia game in '06 which sucked and then I wasn't at the Wake Forest game last year so I've never I've never stormed I'd like to
1: that Wake Forest game was uh during during that third quarter I was at the uh. I was in a field suite with uh, I, I uh, Jaden with Jaden Wagner, Joey's son. Okay, yeah. He was in like Cuber's field suite, and like he had like an extra ticket. I went down there.
0: We have all sorts of name dropping going on here between. And
1: after you said George, I was like, all right, I'll meet sure. you. <laughs> so it was like, <laughs> was like, it was like, it was like, it was in during that third quarter. We were in a field suite with like Luke Hancock. So that, oh, nice. So that's why that one was pretty fun.
0: Texas the 2016 Clemson game for me and Florida state because of game day were the best games I've attended. Yeah, The 2016 Clemson game is the best game I've ever been to, but it was not the most fun I've ever had a game because we lost. I was horribly depressed, but that I don't think I'll ever be in an environment like that ever again. And the thing is, it's not just us saying like, obviously with us being Louisville fans, we have a limited amount of big time, like huge game day experiences at some of the biggest college football venues outside of our own. Like, you know, we, we, never played like a huge game against LSU down there like we played Ohio State but it wasn't it's like game day like this was two top five teams going at it Saturday night all eyes on us Lamar versus Deshaun and even Clemson fans which Clemson is always in the top five for loudest environments biggest stadiums all those lists if you look at them on social media if you you go to their websites they all are like that was the best game the the craziest atmosphere I've ever been a part of and I just remember going up like we're sitting of course like Again, three rows or two rows from the very top, and I thought the stadium was going to like topple over at the beginning of the game. Like, and we get two false start penalties right off the bat, and the place is just going nuts. And it was just like I don't think I'll ever go to a place like that. And then also, one of my favorite things in the world—I'm sure you can relate to this—talking about the some of the Purdue games you've been to. I love being an away game fan, like especially at like a crazy environment. Like when you're in the U of L section, even if you're sitting super high up. Like Just being able to go nuts while the whole rest of the stadium is quiet is one of the funnest things in the entire world. When we scored to go ahead, and then when Jair had the interception right after that, like it was just full-on mayhem in the UofL sections, and the whole rest of that place was just dead quiet. That was so fun, but then, of course, the end sucked.
1: Yeah. that the What comes to mind with that for me is that the Purdue-Tennessee game, a Music City Bowl last year. Or was it mostly Tennessee fans? It was just oh, yeah, about was all Tennessee shit. fans. Music City Bowl, yeah. Yeah. Sense. But it's like the largest crowd in Music City Bowl history. And it was just most, like just about all Tennessee fans. And like there was a very controversial call to end it in overtime. It was just a good time. Yeah. It was
0: a wild ass game. Uh, we'll take a break. Final hour is on the way next. I, I do still want to get to this Bob Huggins stuff. We'll make that happen. A couple basketball thoughts. And then text line as always 502 414 1450. It's the Mike brother for Joe. Patrick Ryan is here. He'll stay here for one more hour here on 1450 and 96 1 The Big X. Thanks so much for some time with us. Hope you're on your way home from work. We've had a lot of fun today. Patrick Ryan's in the house filling in for Trevor Kelsey. We've talked to a lot. TJ Capers dominated the first hour of the show. The five-star slash four-star prospect, who is uh, the number five overall player in the class of 2024 when he committed to Louisville back in January, has now reclassified and signed with Louisville. He'll be eligible to play this fall, a huge late addition to the 2023 U of a football team. We've talked that. We talked a little home run derby. We talked some uh, some nonsense on the text line. We're picking a new game to watch. It's part of our Rewind series, that I uh, say series. We did it twice last year, and Trevor only participated once. But we can still call it a series. Uh, if you want to nominate a game, I think we're down. Uh, Liberty Bowl is a good one. People are saying we want a Jeff Brom game. The, the, the 93 Liberty Bowl or the 04 Liberty Bowl, which featured Brian, could uh, have been nominated. The Texas game from 93 has also been nominated. Basically, any game that you can find on YouTube is up for grabs. So let us know on the on the text line at 502-414-1450. Um, I, I want to talk about this Bob Huggins thing because I know it's maybe not the most attractive way to start the 5 o'clock hour because it's not L related but I will get into a L basketball topic coming up here in a second. But the Bob Huggins thing to me is the most bat bleep crazy thing that has happened in college basketball in a long time. For those who want a quick refresher course, Bob Huggins, uh, this offseason has, to date, used a homophobic slur twice in like 20 seconds on a Cincinnati radio show that he knew people were listening to. Apologized for that, got a reprieve, kept his job, and then got arrested for DUI last month. A DUI where he could not name what city he was in could not name how he got from the burger king where he had a receipt 28 miles away to where he was then to where he had an empty cooler in the car and also a ton of uh, empty cans in the car
1: because he recycles
0: because he loves recycling according to his daughter he then resigned we thought from west virginia we thought he resigned because he said he resigned (laughs) he he put out a final statement he cleaned out his office he told his team he was gone And then this week, we've now gotten word, I guess it started on Sunday, that Bob Huggins is saying that he never technically resigned from the school, stating in a public letter that was released yesterday that West Virginia University, quote, did not handle the situation appropriately, and then also saying, I have a strong desire to conclude my career at WVU. West Virginia's general counsel has responded. They put out a a, a letter saying, total rebuttal saying, you absolutely agreed to resign, you absolutely did give your resignation, you absolutely did tell your team that you were not coaching them anymore, you cleaned out your office, this is all a resignation. Huggins is now, he he's doubling down. He's saying that WVU falsely published a resignation statement under his name on June 17th. Here's what Huggins has said. The press has now seen the letter sent by my counsel setting forth my position that I never resigned from my employment as head basketball coach for West Virginia University. My attorney will address the legal issues relating to my purported resignation. I wanted to respond to the WVU statement and set the record straight on the past two weeks. Initially, let me say I'm truly sorry, blah, 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 blah. I will not make another mistake again. I voluntarily checked into a world-class rehabilitation center, and I intend to remain in the center until I'm clear to return to my active coaching duties. I'm employed by WVU pursuant to an employment agreement. I never submitted the notice required under the employment agreement to voluntarily resign. I let WVU know that I was seeking rehabilitation. However, WVU was not willing to speak with me about the Pittsburgh event nor to provide me time to obtain counsel to review my employment agreement. I met with my players on June 17th, and I let them know the truth, that I did not know what would happen happened to me, but that if I was not their coach, I was hoping that I would be replaced by a coach that I recommended to WVU. Most importantly, whether I was staying or not, I was encouraging the players to stay at WVU. My players come first, and they needed to hear my support for WVU directly For me. Now that I have obtained counsel to review the employment agreement and I've seen WVU's comment about my status, it's clear that WVU did not handle the situation appropriately. More importantly, the basketball program is in need, and I have a strong desire to conclude my career as head basketball coach for the program I love. I hope to meet with WVU in the near future to resolve the situation. First and foremost, the odds that West Virginia buckles and lets Bob Huggins come back and coach their their program, negative 1 billion percent. It's not happening. It's done. There's no chance that he's going to come back and coach West Virginia again, whether it's this year or if he lives to be 120, 50 years in the future. It's just not going to happen. Second, this is the most bizarre thing that I've ever ever seen in my entire life. You have his lawyer. There are emails where he's in constant contact with WVU and, and is saying, the entire time that he has decided to resign. Like, like my client is, has decided to resign. He also specifically told the team that he was resigning when he met with him on June 17th. He's not saying that but people in the room are all saying, he said, I'm done. I'm resigning. I'm leaving. He had communication with the AD and the president about his resignation resignation notice. They agreed that his, through his wife's email, To all of this. At no point during this whole thing, according to to WVU, did Huggins indicate that he had changed his mind about a resignation. On an eight-minute phone call on June 17th, after meeting with the team, he told WVU's associate athletic director that he was resigning. He cleaned out his office on June 18th under the conditions uh, and impression that he was done coaching West Virginia. I mean, if you're feeling hazy about your future, if you're saying to your team, I might come back and coach you again, we have to see how this whole thing plays out, you don't clean out your office. The guy very clearly was done, and I don't, I mean, I, I don't get how this is even a thing at this point. If ever there's been a coach in the last 10 years who's deserved to be fired for cause because of off-the-court stuff, it's 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 Bob Huggins. Or at least he's top five. I mean, there's been some some player abuse stuff uh, I guess Rutgers was pretty bad back in the day under Mike Rice. But this is near the top. I'm shocked that he survived the first thing. The second thing would have been something that you could have justifiably fired him for if there had been no preceding off-the-court issues. But this is a man who's had alcohol issues before, had the DUI uh, I think 16 years before, has had been open about his issues with this, has had... Now a very public incident just a couple of months before this one. I just don't get how he feels like he has a leg to stand on. I guess if there's no morality clause in his contract with West Virginia, which is possible. He's a guy. He holds a lot of power. I'm sure he had some some leverage when he signed his last deal. Maybe there's you know, something that like you can't fire me for cause. Like, like yeah, you know, We all know about the Rick Pitino morality clause from back in the day. But I just don't get how you feel like you can go through the entire process of resigning and then be like, whoops, never happened. It's a strange, strange thing. It's going to tarnish his legacy, I think, even more. And this is a man who's one of the all-time winningest coaches in college basketball history. He's a guy who I think, and this is one of my favorite what-ifs, if Kenyon Martin doesn't break his leg in March of 2000, that Cincinnati team was the best team in the country. They were poised, I think, to win a national championship. And you wonder how differently his career may have gone if he had been a national championship winning coach as opposed to in the conversation for greatest coach all time to never win a national title. Maybe he doesn't feel the need to... Maybe some of the -the off-the-court stuff doesn't happen. Maybe he gets more of a pass. Maybe he feels like he has more of a legacy to uphold. At the end of the day, he's going to be remembered primarily for, I think, his off-the-court stuff almost as much, if not more, than his on-the-court act. And that, I hate that as somebody who did kind of a 180 on, on Huggy Bear over the years. I He clearly, he was the villain of all villains to me growing up as a Louisville basketball fan in the 90s. I hated Kentucky, always had. But Cincinnati was the scarier team for a lot of those years, before the like the 96 run with U.K., he had dudes that were just straight badasses and they just came in here and just kicked our ass and intimidated us. And he was he was mean. He was, he wore the villain hat proudly. He loved being the villain. And I grew up just despising him. And then he goes to, to Kansas State for the year and then West Virginia. And he becomes kind of this, this funny personality. And this guy that proves himself as a real X is no guy. Adapts to his roster. Becomes a chameleon. Has great quotes speaks his mind, and is funny in doing so. And now to have it end like this after he had sort of rehabilitated his image, I I hate it, but he's not helping himself here. Patrick Ryan, have you ever heard of anything stranger than this? This is a, it, 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 I mean, he resigned. He's gone. And if he's not, he should have been fired. And yet he's still being here like, I want to coach this team. It's, it's not going to – I don't know what he's trying to prove at this point. Yeah. it's terrible. It's weird.
1: Have they named? Have they said who's going to be the head coach this year?
0: The interim is the is a guy that they promoted from in-house, whose name one of the assistants. They they promoted as the interim coach for this year. I I guess it was too late in the game to go out there and hire somebody else. Um, I, I would assume that they will hire somebody new next. Now you do run the risk of. I don't want to say falling victim or being put in an awkward situation, but let's say that they overachieved this year, which probably, you know, they lost a number of players. They they don't seem to be in a position of power, but let's say they overachieved to the point where they are Sweet 16 good, one of the better teams in the Big 12. All of a sudden, you get pressure to keep this guy, i.e. Rodney Terry at Texas last year, and maybe that winds up being a good thing, or maybe you wind up missing out on somebody who's a much better, much more proven head coach that you could have hired if there hadn't been pressure to keep the guy who did so well in his interim year. It it always presents an awkward situation. It reminds me of the, speaking of West Virginia, the the guy who, when Rich Rodriguez left, the old guy, Bill, I can't remember his name, um, he coached the team in their, their bowl game, their BCS game. And right after, you get Pat White, Steve Slayton, all these guys, Bill Stewart was his name. All these guys, they're like, Hire Coach Stu, hire Coach Two, and the fan base is hire Coach Stu, hire Coach Stu. And West Virginia has all this positive momentum going on right now. They've never had this much success in in, in football uh, in, in like a five year span. They end up hiring Bill Stewart because they feel like they have to. Bill Stewart sucks. Bill, Bill Stewart is not a good head coach, and they lose all that, that momentum and they end up being just kind of okay. And, and now you see where they are right now. Picked to finish last in the Big 12 15 years later. I don't know. It, it's a strange situation. For West Virginia, it's a strange situation for Huggins, but man, just go out gracefully. Like you, you bleeped up. All you had to do was not get ish canned and get arrested again. Like that's all you had to do. You you got a lifeline after the first faux pas, and and now here you are just messing it up. Like just eat it, wear it. My favorite. You messed up your career. And when he,
1: it was like two blocks from the Taylor Swift concert.
0: He had no idea. He didn't know where he was. He said he was in Columbus, 180 miles away. Uh, speaking of basketball news, I, Rick Bozich had a, a good poll today. He talked to Scott Davenport, who was talking about how nobody will play them next year. You know th- that video that Hoops Insight did about the team that never pa- that never dribbles, which got like a million views. A lot of coaches have seen that. A lot of coaches have been watching. Bellerman games. They've admitted that you know, I, I sought out Bellerman. I think it's such an interesting philosophy, but nobody wants to actually play them. And according to this this Rick Bosich story on Scott Davenport, Davenport says they reached out to Virginia. They had a great relationship with Mike Bray at Notre Dame. They played them a few times. They reached out to Notre Dame's new head coach, Micah Shrewsbury. They reached out to Kansas and all of them have said, we're not going to play. You. We're not going to play you at all. Saturday night at the Peach Jam, Scotty Davenport's walking around. Bill Self sees him calls out, says, hey, Scotty. And Scott's like, nobody calls me Scotty except people that have <laughs> known me from the South End for a long time. He says, i never met Bill Self. He called me Scotty. Most people that call me Scotty are usually from the South End, people that I grew up. So I turned around and I said, yes, sir. He grabbed me and put his arm around me and said, I just want to say that you are one amazing basketball coach. I said, as a coach, thank you very much. But you could really thank me if you agreed to play us. And he said, I won't play you for 50 years. That's Bill Self being like, I I don't want those problems. I don't want to play you. Bellarmine will go to Utah and play games against, uh, I think, both BYU and Utah this December. They're going to play West Virginia again, which now is kind of maybe a a more gettable game. And the most interesting thing for Louisville fans in this Rick Bosett story is that we know Louisville is going to play Bellarmine again this year. We know they're going to host them as part of that deal that allowed the UofL volleyball team to play in Freedom Hall a couple of years ago in the NCAA tournament The game is not going to be the season opener this year. It was the season opener last year. It was the first of many, many sour notes when Louisville lost by one point. The game is going to be played, according to Scotty Davenport, on November 28th at the KFCM Center, which means, presumably, that'll be the team's first game after coming back from that Empire Classic, which is going to be around Thanksgiving, uh, in New York. Well, they'll, they'll play two games against the trio of Texas, UConn, and Indiana. So... That the season opener is tricky, but that's also a little tricky spot for that game. You know, let's say you've you've just had a couple of disappointing performances, which would be understanding. Again, UConn's going to be really good again. Texas is going to be really good again. Indiana should be pretty good. Let's say you lose those two games up there, you're looking your chops a little bit. You've got a Bellerman team that's not going to cut you any slack. That's not going to be very easy to prepare for when you're coming home and trying to get your feet back underneath you. Or, let's say you overachieve. Let's say you win one of those games. Or you're at least competitive in both those games, and people are talking about you in different terms, and then you come back home. Bellarmine's waiting for you then. Waiting for you to slip up. I don't love the placement of that game, but I still probably like it more than the season opener, which did not go well for us last year.
1: Yeah. You'd think having a team with a different... You're playing against a team with a different type of play style, and you have like the entire offseason to prepare for it, you think that would help, but... It didn't last year, for sure. We
0: we, we we weren't prepared for the back cut. We also didn't adjust in the second half of that game. But new team, new roster, new year. Hopefully we'll have a new result. But uh, that game is going to be played November 20th. So now we know the dates for, I think, five games in the non-conference schedule. We don't know Kentucky yet. We assume that's going to be between. Are you just yawning into the mic,
1: Patrick? I lean back.
0: <laughs> Sorry. Sorry this basketball conversation is so boring for you. Uh, we know that Louisville is going to play Kentucky. We assume that's going to be between Christmas and New Year's because it usually is. I think the the DePaul date is December 9th. We know they're going to play the two games in New York in late November. We now know the Bellarmine game is going to be the 28th. And we know they're playing Pepperdine at some point. We also know they're not going to play in the ACC-SEC Challenge, which is a bummer. But we'll find out more as time goes on. I think that we, we're we starting to get more and more teams releasing their non-conference schedules once we get to August, I think we should have a pretty good idea of, of what Lowell's is going to look like. 502-414-1450 is the Thornton's text line. I, I've got one quick note before we go back to the text line that I wanted to get to. We mentioned the the uh, the players who have been drafted in the Major League Baseball draft with L Baseball. It was a very disappointing season. I said shortly after it ended that I thought that Dan McDonald was going to you know, he's a guy who's not afraid to adjust. He's very much a guy who, when things don't go well, he looks at what he can do differently. And a lot of fans have said, you got to start doing more in the transfer portal. And I said, I, I think that he's going to hit it hard this offseason. And he has. We, we mentioned a couple of the guys that we would landed a few weeks ago. Today, a big one. The reigning Horizon League Pitcher of the Year, Sebastian Gungora, from Wright State, committed to Louisville. He was 10-1 last season, 3.17 ERA. Struck out eighty-nine hitters over ninety-three and two-thirds innings. Six foot five, two hundred and fifteen. Lefty hits ninety-four on the, on the gun. Uh, he's got a great change-up, nice slider. At those primarily three pitches. This is a big-time add for next season. UofL starting pitching last year was wildly inconsistent. Really, it's been pretty inconsistent for the last two years. They just overcame it a couple of years ago with their offense. But uh, Sebastian Gengora, big-time get. One of the best players, pitchers available in the transfer portal. He's a Cardinal. That is reason for celebration. Dan McDonald, not afraid to adjust, not afraid to get it done. I'm not expecting Louisville to be down for long. I thought they'd be very good this past year. I was wrong. I think they'll be much better next year. Could be wrong again. Don't think I'm going to be. McDonald's proven it time and time again. He ain't missing the tournament three years in a row. It's just not going to happen. Alright, 502 414 1450. We'll take a couple of texts here and then we can get to the... Oh, we'll take our last break and come back and, and look ahead to the The night that will be in sports, which is basically just the Major League Baseball All-Star Game. Texas says, come on, guys. Say what you want about John Mayer. His Gravity album is a banger. I said that there are a few John Mayer songs that I genuinely like, that I think are good. Even recently, he had that uh, uh, song One Night, which I thought was very good. I enjoyed it. It's very
1: catchy. I like his free-falling cover.
0: I don't think I've heard it.
1: He does a a pretty good one.
0: Comfortable is a sad song. Neon is a banger. They did play Neon at that Zach Brown band concert that <laughs> ended up breaking up afterwards. Text says uh college and OAR go hand in hand. Patrick will see you soon. No. You might. No. They might still be of a revolution in college. You'll probably they, you know they'll be playing at some frat party, maybe. I can see it happening. Uh just heard the world. is. <laughs> <Yes>. I mean <laughs> I'm making fun of them. I there are several OAR songs that I really like. Of a revolution. Not just a clever name. Texas OAR live uh, 34th and 8th is still a top album, and then everything after has been trash. There you go. <laughs> Texas says, What I remember about the Boise State game, I watched it with my uncle who went to LSU, and the rumors were that Petrina was going to take that job, and we played terrible in the first half. I remember. So it's hard to keep it's hard to keep all the Petrino rumors in order. I lose track of of when he was projected to go to Auburn and when he, people thought he was going to go to LSU. But I do remember, I think it was right after that, where people, like, I think the news had come out that he'd taken a meeting with LSU. I know that the Auburn behind closed-door stuff was, was gross. But I just remember going to a basketball game where... The new year just happened, and somebody sitting directly in front of me had this sign that was like, hello 2005, goodbye Petrino, we don't need you, or something like that, and it was crazy how quickly that shit, like, like people were ready for him to be gone, after the the Auburn flirtation and the LSU flirtation, and then you remember after the 05 season, when it kept happening, he signed the new contract with Louisville going into the Orange Bowl year and had this whole spiel about, you know, I wouldn't have signed this deal if I didn't want to be here long term, like this is where I want to be, they've given me this home, and it was just complete, complete BS. But the fans were were fed up with Petrino a million times before he actually left, and then you know, even after he left, not fed up enough with him to to wildly oppose bringing him back in 2014. Um, what a strange, strange relationship. I still think the you know we've had some weird things happen here. I don't think I'm telling you anything that you don't know in the last few years. I think one of the weirdest stats about U of L athletics in general: our all-time winningest football coach, and we're not a. We we had some down years, but we're still like in modern day. We're certainly a good football program. We've had we've had our our moments. The all-time winningest coach in the history of this program was fired for poor results. Wasn't fired for off the field stuff. Wasn't like left us for the NFL at one point, came back, had a few good years, led a Heisman trophy winner, and then got fired for <laughs> was so bad in one season that he got axed. It's the weirdest it, mid-season. Mid season didn't even make it through the year. Like the it, it's the strangest legacy that I think any one coach has with one school. I mean, he was we loved him and we hated him the first go-round. Loved him, hated him. All he did was win games. We were ready for him to go, though. Stop flirting. He goes to the NFL. He's a failure at the NFL.
1: Ruined a year of Mike Vick's prime.
0: Ruined a year of Mike... Well, you didn't get to really coach him, but
1: that was... It was somewhere in there.
0: That, 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 was, that was a different issue entirely. I think he <laughs> wanted to be part of Mike Vick's prime. Comes back to college, kills it elsewhere. Like, st- we still hate him. We hate this guy. We love when he beats Kentucky, but we still hate him. And then he comes back, and it's this... Is it worth it? Is it not worth it? Is he going to leave us again? Is he? We've got him. We, he's got a contract that's airtight. He can never leave. And he has some success right off the bat. And then we, you know, we have some of the most fun we've ever had with Lamar Jackson. It's great. It's great. It's great. And then it's so bad that we can't live with him for another two weeks. It's the weird. I'll never understand the entire saga between Louisville and Bobby Petrino. I don't think anybody ever will. It's so. It's insane. Text says, I stormed in 2007 after the Art Carmody game winning field goal against Rutgers to finish the season at 6 and 6 in Craig's first year. I think Trevor said he did too.
1: Trevor did say that.
0: I think he, yeah, th- that game.
1: I'd love bo- to see Trevor like storm a field. Everybody's like running out to the middle. And he's just walking.
0: He like, yeah, he gets to the sidelines, has a stop and smoke a cig.
1: <laughs> he sits on the bench.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: he starts jogging out there. Just he's lying like, on the bench just <laughs> as far as I can do. He starts taking like the water
0: bottles, <laughs> makes his <laughs> <laughs> makes his friends pull over a ladder. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that was a wild game. That was a, a wild season as well. Texas. I found out that Bush broke his leg the next morning from my mom. I had no idea. I was a student at the time. Beating FSU by sixty was also great, and I remember it. I'm assuming you're talking about the 06 Kentucky game. That was the 59-28. That was one of the like. Biggest mixed emotions Louisville games of all time, because on one hand we knew we were going to be so good, and we beat the absolute crap out of a Kentucky team that wound up being pretty good. But you felt like losing Bush, you knew you were going to be okay at the running back position because you had Stripling, you had Anthony Allen, you had um, was like you saw Colby. I think Colby Smith was the other guy. Like you knew you were going to be okay, and we were. But you knew also that you lost a guy who looked like he was going to be a Heisman front runner in that first half. And maybe you lost your shot at the national championship. And maybe we did. Maybe we would have won it all if, if Mike had stayed fully healthy. But that was a – and you just felt terrible for him too. Because that was – as somebody who was the same age as Michael Bush and who grew up hearing all these stories about Michael Bush and who – you had friends that played with him at Mayo. Like all like all I ever heard about Mike growing up – well, I mean you heard a million things about Mike. But one of the biggest things was like he was just a freak athlete. Like he wasn't motivated – all that much in the off season. like like he he would not go super hard at offseason weight training. Wouldn't work, like was never. And I think it showed his senior year of high school, like he wasn't in the best shape. And even at U of L, it was a, I think a struggle for him to get in his best shape. And then that summer before two thousand six, like that entire off season, all I heard from people that were really close friends with him was like he's never been this dedicated before. He's he sees himself. He knows that being a first round draft pick is right there. He knows the Heisman's right there. He he, like, he knows how good he can be. And this is the best shape that he's ever been in his life. And he looked like it for that half. And then to see him put in all that work and have it go away with one tackle was just, it was brutal. and It was, it was tough to feel really, really good after that game, even though we just beat UK by 31. I will right, we'll take a break. When we come back, final segment, we can look ahead to tonight's All-Star game. Uh, we can touch on a couple of, of quick tidbits and then take more texts from you guys at 502-414-1450. It's the Mike Rutherford Show here on 1450 and 961, The Big X.
1: your Jason Isbell. Okay,
0: I like Jason Isbell. I just don't know the song. It's on his. It's on his new album. I don't know. Like, like I know people who are like super into him. Like, I know like the, like the Spotify most played songs, and then I don't. I don't know the deep cuts, but
1: I like him. That's on his new album. Okay, that's cool. I
0: like Isbell. It sounded a little bit like worship, which I, I was like, okay, what's Patrick going for? <laughs> Although I should say, Virginia is going to Vacation Bible School this week, and I was kind of thinking like she was going to come home singing like all these just like. Pray song. no. She's still just singing Little Mermaid all the time.
1: Maybe some, not even some Veggie Tales. Not
0: even some Veggie Tales. She's having a good time. Like she, she has turned a corner. I think I, I let everybody know probably three, four months. She was having some serious behavioral issues, like just yelling at everybody, just not, just going through a phase where you're like, oh my god, she's gone. Uh, she, I don't know what happened. She just like fl- flipped a switch, and she's been so sweet the last couple of weeks. It was like after vacation. She, we went to a couple birthday parties this weekend. She walked up to the host and was. Said to our friend Allison, she's like, "Thanks so much for inviting me." And just she's been, she's been great, and she has enjoyed. She calls it vacation school, which I'm fine with the semantics. It, if you want to call it vacation school to make yourself feel better, that's fine. She's enjoyed the first two days. She's only got two more days. She's having a good time. It's madness, though.
1: It's like I never did billion, it.
0: I, ne- I did it for one day and didn't like it. and My mom didn't make me go back. But uh, we were like, if she hates it, we don't have to go. But she also she's in class with her, the same class with her older cousin Audrey, who she's obsessed with. And then Audrey's mom, my sister in law, is helping out. So she's with with Audrey and Laura all the time. And I think that makes, she thinks that's super cool. So I think that may be helping here. Now I'm kind of worried about when we go back to school in a month, like she's, she's, she's not going to be ready to not be in class with Audrey. And it's going to be terrible. We also, we got to prepare ourselves. John is going to school. Oof. August 9th is the first day of school. Oof. I think my wife is going to have like a full on just meltdown. Like I don't know if she's going to be able to do this. She's, so John is, like Virginia was attached to me, but it was she was she was very much like I'm. I'm attached to both parents. It wasn't really. She maybe slightly favored me when she was his age, but she, like, it wasn't overwhelming. John is has always been obsessed with Mary. Like, like if if I'm in the room and she's not, he's fine with that. If, if I'm I'm always the second option, but if she's around, like, he has to be around her. And I don't know if if Mary's gonna be able to handle this because he also like he's. Like Virginia was speaking in, in full sentences when she was like one night. Like she was way ahead of, of everything. So that made leaving her at school a little bit easier. John hates being left alone. He can't communicate the way that she did. I think Mary's going to have a really hard time, but we got a month left to, to avoid that problem. It's going to be interesting. Definitely going to be interesting.
1: Uh, my, my mom owned the daycares I always went to. So, well,
0: so that's my, my mom is the she's the assistant director at the preschool. So, we always have Nana's always there, which always helps. That, that helped me too. Yeah. Texture says vacation Bible school. What the hell is that? I can't think of anything worse to send your kid to. Uh, I had mixed feelings for sure. But, but it is, it's at, it's at my mom's school. They do it every summer. It's only four days. It seems fun. It's not like the mega church where they're all like, You've got like 500 kids like doing this crazy like wave or anything. Good morning,
1: Donda. Good morning,
0: Donda. Exactly. It's not, I don't think it's like that. <laughs> she seems to be having it, and it's only three hours. So she seems to be having a good time. I asked what they did today, and she said they played hide and seek. So that's fine. And they had s'mores, Steve. So she oh. seems she seems to be having a good time. Thornton text Lines 502 414 1450. We'll take a uh, text here for about 15 minutes, and then we can look ahead to tonight's all star game, although there's not really that much to preview here. God, I'm, I'm fiending for the Reds. I didn't realize how much of a rhythm I'd gotten into, like getting off the air, going home, getting dinner ready, flipping on the Reds, getting the kids down, watching the end of the Reds game, and just soaking up all the the Reds magic. I I can't believe I have to, I have to wait till Friday. I don't. It's I'm definitely a fiend. I need I need more baseball. Texas says Trevor is one of the few people where rushing the field actually takes the steps down to the field, followed up by having to take a hit from the oxygen mask on the sideline. I would like to see Trevor rushing the field. He would take the steps. I enjoy imagining Trevor doing a lot. Yesterday we had, I don't know if you were listening to the show, where somebody asked if Trevor could do, like, like get air on a skateboard. No. And I was like, no, no, but I do like imagining it. Justin, like, it was Scoots that asked it. Was Scoots who asked it? I thought this question came up. Was it? Yes, whoever it asked it was a bad question. I'm like, no, there's a zero point zero percent chance like, that Trevor gets air on there a skateboard.
1: There takes it takes like a decent amount of technique to get air on a skateboard. Like you gotta like, I mean, I, I give myself like a 03 percent chance of getting. You like to pop air on a skateboard. it up with one foot, and you gotta like drag your top foot up like pretty pretty hard. I have no idea what.
0: I don't think I could stay on a skateboard. And I don't. I mean, I know Trevor couldn't. There's no there's no chance.
1: There's a zero point zero. I don't. There might be a higher chance that Bob Huggins coaches West Virginia basketball next year.
0: But now I do like just to imagine Trevor at like the skate park and you know, on one of those little <laughs> bikes where he's doing like the flips off the ramps and spinning the bike.
1: Beneath no, him. I like to imagine Trevor at a, at a skate park, but he's just like standing like up on top of the ramp, just like smoking with a bunch of kids and like making fun of the kids on like scooters. Well, that's like probably telling them what to leave.
0: Actually, that, That's a very realistic scenario. Like I can see that happening right now. Texas says Scoots is addicted to sex? Question mark. That's what my notes say, according to TJ. Now I also want to check Scoot's likes on Twitter, but I'm afraid to do it on air. I don't. Want to, I don't. Want, I don't want to out him. Texas says this is the best sports show in the area, but especially during the summer, it's just more fun than all the others and a great way to pass the week. Patrick is a good replacement for Trevor, but I mean that in a nice way. I promise. There you go. A little compliment uh, for you. Thank you. Here's the question though: When you start college, like, does that end your tenure at the Big X? Are you still going to be doing?
1: I actually don't. On Tues- Tuesdays, my only the only day I have a class after noon. Well oh, that's nice. I know. I took a couple classes online, so. Oh
0: god, see that was not an option when I was in college.
1: And they're they're not like you have to like watch a lecture online. They're like the. Teacher uploads work in a video, and there's no like specific time you have to be on it or anything. I would have killed
0: for that. I would have killed for that. Like, my sister graduated just a couple of years after she's three years younger than I am. And by the end of her college run, she was doing most of her stuff online. And I knew she had it made when she was in all she's like, all the basketball players are in my online class. I was like, I bet they are. That sounds like a fantastic class. But that wasn't when I went to Dayton, like, th- there weren't online classes. Yeah. And I, I never had, I got lucky, I never had an 8 a.m. class until I came to Bellarmine, and it sucked. It was terrible. It was the worst.
1: It was like whenever like, you went on to the, because uh, the, all the scheduling was on a computer, and you went on there, and it brought, you. they had a paper with all the classes you needed to take. You searched them up, and when they searched up, it'd be like Wednesday, eight, Monday, Wednesday, 8 a.m. to whatever, Tuesday, Thursday, 8 a.m. or 10 a.m., whatever, and there's a bunch of options, and then there's one at the bottom distance education okay and then you're like oh i'll take distance education I think distance
0: education sounds like the winner god i do remember getting to college for the first time and just i mean you know it's going to be different but the first few weeks of classes when you like i had one class on friday and I, I think it was nine to ten like a one out like a 50 minute class 9 to 10 a.m on friday and you're done and you're like it's the weekend now. It's ten a.m. Like I, I get why people are drinking so early in the day in college. You finally understand it. It's just you yeah. have all this free time to spend, and it's it's just a it's such a change of pace from everything you've known your entire life.
1: I do I do have an eight a.m. on Monday and Wednesday though. That sucks. But I, I they're they're my major classes, and there were only two, and the other one was full, so I had to take the eight a.m. What are you majoring in? Sports administration.
0: Oh, they've got a great program over there. I know the. Uh, I think Anita Mormon does she still run it? She was my. I know she's heavily involved in the Spad program but she w- she also taught at the law school when I was there and she taught basic legal skills which is the class where you write you write the big memo or the the the, the big whatever and you have to go to the courthouse and you argue your case in front of everybody um, and it was the only class that I did well in in law school so I she has a, she has a fond place in my heart
1: because yeah. she's the only
0: teacher who gave me a good grade
1: so but Thursday I ha- I don't have a Friday class and Thursday my only class ends at like 11.45.
0: No, oh, that's a good feeling. That'll be nice for uh, Murray State Day.
1: That'll You'll be that'll beautiful on Murray State Day. You'll enjoy that. They might cancel it on Murray State Day. <sighs> I love that.
0: Texture says, Zach Brown is pop country mainstream. He's more like Luke Combs than Tyler. Complete opposite of what your producer said. He, But yeah, he but said Zach, Zach but, Brown, but right? Zach, that's the difference. Zach Bryan is who Patrick is talking about. Who he says is more like Tyler than Luke Combs, who's poppy, right?
1: Yeah. Okay. There you go. Zach Brown and Zach Bryan, similar like names for sure. Pretty different music wise. Texter
0: says, Mike, during Father's Day, your KSR buds ran an article talking to UK's defensive coordinator about their favorite things about fatherhood. Is there any particular reason they didn't interview Stoops about that instead? The Stoops, have, I mean. I'm I know he was. I know he was married. Does he have kids? Is it is there a joke that I'm missing there or a diss that I'm missing there?
1: Do you know? No idea.
0: I, I don't. I don't know either. I don't, I'm not sure. Maybe they just couldn't get a hold of Stoops. Maybe he didn't want to talk about it. I don't know. Texas. I think fans still romanticize high school recruiting. I'm not saying it doesn't matter, but the portal has changed everything. Uh, yeah, we, we know that. The, but it's not like. It's not like it doesn't matter entirely, which I know you said. I do think that the portal matters just as much these days, if not more. If we're talking about basketball, for sure. Football, I think you still need to build classes and you still need to develop guys. And the portal is, is certainly a big deal. But you've got there's a reason why the, the best teams of the last four years are still the ones that are recruiting the best. In basketball, I think it has to be a combination of both. And I think that's what you're seeing play out right now. It's still... The sample size is still small with the transfer portal and, and with success rates. But when you look at programs like, I mean, Kansas comes to mind. They're going out there. They're getting transfers. But they're also keeping guys in their program for two, three, four years that are playing big roles. They're also going out there and getting big-time freshmen, Grady Dick, that are, are, are playing huge roles immediately. I think it has to be a little bit of of both. I don't think that you can. And we'll find out. I I, I get that. But I think what rubbed people the, the wrong way about Kenny Payne's comments from yesterday on the John Rothstein podcast was him referring to building programs the right way and implying that there's a right and a wrong way to do things. And that going – the tra- I mean he referred to the transfer portal as a necessary evil and all but said, I don't want to do this. I, I think you've seen John Calipari who doesn't want to do- – well, it doesn't matter what you want to do. This is the way that it works. Each of the last three national champions has had multiple players starting on their team that were transfer portal guys, and that's not going to change anytime soon. You, I think you do, you can't just ignore high school recruits entirely, but Matt Norlander had a good piece on CBS talking about how their impact is, is less than it's ever been. And it doesn't help that right now the, the classes that we're dealing with are, according to people who follow this sort of thing for a living, the weakest that have come through in the recruiting network era. You had Brandon Miller make a huge impact last season. You had a handful of guys that that got better. But for the most part, freshmen just were not making a gigantic impact on college basketball. And maybe that changes and, and it reverts a little bit when not only do you get the stronger classes starting in 2025 coming into the sport, but you get rid of the COVID year that's going to start happening soon. You'll have less of the, as John Calipari calls them, the 24, 25, 26-year-olds that are still playing college basketball. You, you'll get back to more of the normal, traditional freshman sophomore junior senior run maybe freshmen do start having more of an impact again but for right now it certainly feels like teams that are getting guys to to shirk the NBA for at least a couple of years and come back and play as sophomores and juniors and that are also able to go out there and get the best transfer portal guys are the teams that are having the most success right now Texas Mike longtime pod listener regarding yesterday's conversation about Casey and the Yankees I probably haven't seen Sean Casey swing a bat in nearly 15 years, but I can vividly still remember his routine after every pitch. Leg stretch, leg stretch, tighten batting gloves, tighten other batting glove, followed by slow swings over the plate. I think I have it down like an old Grand Theft Auto cheat code, but he was definitely one of my all-time favorite Reds. He was one of mine, too, and now I feel like I have to hate him because he's replacing one of my my good friends in New York. But Casey was the man. I also liked that he, we we brought up the the 2015 Home Run Derby earlier. People, somebody was talking about Todd Frazier when I, I missed it. He's sitting like upper deck in left field during that Home Run Derby and catches a home run during that when he's working as a media member. He's a great, I mean, he's just a, he's a very likable guy, great media member, was a great red, also got thrown out once on a single to left field, uh, which was hilarious. when he he's a Tiger. I've seen that clip going around a lot. But yeah, I have to root for him to lose every game now. Texas is there a resignation that either of you would take back? Not a firing or a layoff, but a resignation.
1: I mean, not off the top of my head. <laughs> I don't
0: know if that's directed solely at me, but I mean, I, I don't know if you're asking if I regret leaving ninety-three nine. But I mean, hindsight's twenty-twenty. I don't know. I mean, it was I, it was the right move at the time for me. I'll say that for sure. Texture says the interesting wrinkle to that tw- 2016 team is if they won that year, it means Michigan State wouldn't have, and that is a guy is the guy who's never won one. I, I love bringing that up. I do think it's one of the craziest things of all time. If, yeah, if Kenyon Martin lands normally in the CUSA tournament, never breaks his leg, and since he does win the national title, Tom Izzo is known forever, potentially. As, I mean, you think Gonzaga gets a lot of crap now for getting close and never getting over the hump. He would have, what, eight Final Fours with no national titles? That'd be insane. Like, like you know nobody would respect Michigan State basketball they'd all you know they get to the final four and everybody be like here we go again it would be a crazy thing to happen and instead he wins it in his i think his, is either his first or second final four in 2000 and then has just you know, swung and missed every year ever since
1: i think he was in the 99 final four right? right or
0: 99 was duke UConn, um they may have been i feel like every year when i can't think of a final four like michigan state it's, it's, it's always there they may have gone back-to-back years. They had, <laughs> he had a great run there where he was there just about every year. Um, but he's, I mean, all he's known for, if since he does win the title in 2000, is the guy who keeps getting to Final Fours and just can never win them. Uh, let's see. He's been to... Now it's going to drive me crazy. Now i am going to find that. You're right. 99, he went to the Final Four. Boom. 99, 2000. 2000 he went to three straight Final Fours. Yeah. And then again in 05 with us. 09 when they I got the shirt on when they beat us 2010 2015
1: 2019 I'm wearing my 05 final four shirt
0: it was a great time you weren't even you weren't even you were, you were not even born yet
1: uh, my mom was like eight months pregnant
0: yeah 05 05 05 never gonna forget it again yeah you will <laughs> no I won't <laughs> I think I think it's it's locked in the synapses are firing now I think I'm good uh, Texas says those Kenyon Martin Steve Logan Jordan Block unis are top three all time they were they were just so intimidating but they were cool you did kind of want to be them. Texas, I think the only thing oh, angry guy, come on, Texas. I still find out how quickly I, I still, I don't know what this text means. I still find out how quickly Northwestern fired Pat Odd. What are your thoughts? Uh, I still find how quickly Northwestern fired Pat Odd. I, I mean, it's a crap situation. I my oldest brother is a Northwestern graduate. He's a big fan of of. Northwestern. my dad loved Northwestern football. There was a brief time in the 90s where I was really into Northwestern football when they got good as like my second team behind U of I, I think you kind of you, you had to once you had the stories piling on top of them the, themselves and you had multiple athletes coming out and, and revealing more and more gross details, I think it came to a, a point where it just it wasn't going to stop. And he's like he's the most famous Northwestern football player of all time. He's the most successful Northwestern head coach of all time, but it felt like it was, you kind of had to do it, especially when the second story came out. Texas says, I I need I heard you say that lady's name as, quote, I need a Mormon. <laughs> Anita, Mormon, but it does, I, I can see how you could hear that. Texas says, my goodness, if I could take back a resignation, I would take back my target resignation every year at this time. Teacher me could use that discount. There you go. Paz, um, have you had weird high school jobs? Any Trevor
1: jobs? Not really, no. Just this one. Well, because I I did like the whole three sport thing. My first two years of high school. Oh, really? Yeah, I played football, basketball, and baseball.
0: I don't think I realized that.
1: So I never really got never had a job. And okay. then this summer, I've been working as a lifeguard. But oh, that's, that's right, really my first like payroll job. There you go. Not a bad way to do it. Texas, how
0: about instead of a Trevor Tries It series, there's a Trevor reenactment series similar to Chris Farley with the Leitner shot. The first one, Trevor reenacts the Michael Bush crazy run from the Boise State game. I really need to see the high step. This is a fantastic idea. Uh, <laughs> now now I'm envisioning like Trevor doing the Bilal Pal 80-yard run against Cincinnati where he gets caught up. Trevor doing the long run against Clemson. Uh, <laughs> Trevor doing the spin against Florida State. Uh, Trevor doing
1: more. the the Kyle Kirk Notre Dame dunk. on like a little Tex <laughs> goal. I'll, I'll,
0: I can get my Fisher Price goal. I can bring it in. Uh, the, the the knee into the DePaul defender by Shane Bahannon. Uh, I I would actually love to see this happen. Trevor doing the four the Luke Hancock four threes. <laughs> I mean, it's the, it's the best idea Texas had in a long time. If we still did Texas of the day, you would win it. Twenty dollars to a restaurant that no longer exists. Congratulations, we're gonna make that happen. Uh, we've got the 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 All Star game is happening tonight. Patrick, do you have any interest whatsoever in the All-Star game?
1: Uh, Not even a little. Not even a little? Uh, maybe. I'll well, check w- the score.
0: Well, you you won't watch. You'll check the score.
1: I don't know if I'll even check the score.
0: I, I'll flip it on at some point. Yeah, I'll probably flip it on at some Here's point. exactly what's going to happen. I'm going to get done putting John to sleep. I'll get done before Mary gets done putting Virginia to sleep. I'll come out in the span of like 20 minutes that I have by myself. I'll watch the All-Star game. Mary will come out and she'll be like, do you want to watch Ted Lasso? And then we'll watch Ted Lasso. And then I'll, if, if the All-Star game is still going on after we finish watching Ted Lasso, I'll watch that before bed.
1: I'll probably put it on and not pay attention.
0: That's as much attention as I'm willing to pay to the All-Star. And, and look, I still like it more than the NBA All-Star game.
1: American League looking for their 10th straight win.
0: It's Which is nuts. I, I mean, you'd think... I was going to do the, the picks here, but you'd think that there wouldn't be that much... Dis- like It doesn't make any sense. I mean, you've got... Both sides seem to be trying the same. Like, the, the leagues are relatively evenly matched. I mean, I guess the, the DH maybe gave the AL an advantage back in the day. I don't know. It's a very strange thing that the AL has been this dominant for this long. Does that continue tonight? Let's make our picks. 93rd edition of the All-Star Game, T-Mobile Park in Seattle. It's all going down. Is it on Fox tonight?
1: I have no idea. I don't I don't, I don't. know either. Yes, it's on Fox.
0: I feel like it's always on Fox.
1: It's on Fox. Uh,
0: Fox has the coverage. 8 o'clock. Go cheer on your favorite All-Star. Patrick Ryan, who wins tonight?
1: The AL. I
0: feel, like the, I feel like you're dumb if you go against the AL at this point. American League wins it. Let's do it. Yeah. Bam.
1: Zach Gallen starting for the NL on the bump.
0: Make it happen. We got Dusty Baker in the dugout. making it all happen. Uh, enjoy the All-Star game tonight, if that's your thing. If not, enjoy whatever you're doing this Tuesday night. We're back tomorrow at 3 o'clock. We'll talk to you then. Go Cards. Go NL. Go Alexis Diaz.